Hey there, welcome to night school. Thursday, we got a good Thursday going here. First time, first in studio one in a while, isn't it? Feels like it's been years. It's been years. Do you know it's been years since I did one of these? Feels like it does feel like it's been years. But I, uh, you know, I was thinking today about the idea of being on the same page as people, not being on the same page as people. Where you know you think about that in a general sense, where you know many of us, probably most people, I feel like, go through life not feeling like they're completely on the same page as as other people. Seems to be something you hear more and more when you actually talk to people. Most people, at some point, at the very least, at some point, feel disconnected from other people. And in that way, the phrase, like, I'm not on the same page, comes to mind. But it also relates to, you know, specific incidents where, like, someone who you otherwise might agree with about everything, they might be your friend or your family, you're not on the same page about something specific. So that phrase is kind of used generally. And it's funny to me how, you know, not being on the same page about something, having a minor disagreement or just a different take, and it might not even be something intellectual that's a matter of discussion. It could just be something simple. Like something I think about sometimes, back when I partied a lot, you know, you inevitably end up staying at people's houses or you're at people's houses very late. And something I ran into again and again to the point where I knew it wasn't uh, them. Because, you know, it's, a, it's that sort of idea where... Uh, it's a cliche, but it's a an, yet another true cliche because most of them are true. But the idea where it's like, uh, if you're difficult, if you're if you're running into difficult people all the time, chances are you're the difficult one. You're the difficult one, and there's truth to that. Like if you find yourself running into situations with people all the time and everybody else is difficult, there's a good chance that you are the difficult one, or you you at least have some responsibility for the difficulty. You have some responsibility for the difficulty. Uh, you know, and people, of course, put that in other terms. They say, like, hey, if, you, if you're going around life and everybody else is an asshole, an asshole, chances are you're the asshole. That's really become the only voice. That voice I just did is, it's really more and more becoming the only voice I do, I feel like. But uh, that's something people say, where if everybody else is an asshole, you're the asshole, you know. And of course, it's true. I mean, if you find yourself running into the same situations over and over again, and everybody else, all these different people, you know, have have this same quality, either you're drawn to the same sort of person or the, or the same sort of flaw in people, or chances are it's your flaw. It might be both of you, but you have it too. So that, that's something I experienced when I used to party. And this is one where it's not me being an asshole. But it happened enough with different people to know that somehow it had something to do with me being different. And, and that's that I'd, I would always be very particular about like staying the night or where I slept if I did stay the night. And uh, it, it wasn't a weird thing. Like it, it, was, it was never like a weird sex thing where I'm at some house and like people want me to stay for some like perverse reason. It was always just like kind of a tribal thing where it's like, stay the night. And I'd be like, no, I'm going to walk home because this isn't even a, this isn't a two things. This is not, it's not a sex thing and it's not a drunk driving thing. It was just a thing where people, when you say that you're not going to stay the night at the house where everybody's partying, people get weird. Lots of different people did this to me. They did this to me where they they try to convince you to stay the night and, or they try to tell you where to sleep. <laughs> that happened to me a, a number of times too, where like there was a party I went to years ago and it was way out in the middle of nowhere. So everybody was going to stay there. There was no choice. If you were drinking there, you were going to stay there. And so everybody knew this ahead of time. And ahead of time, I even announced like, I'm just so you guys know, I'm sleeping in my car. <laughs> I was like, just so you guys know, I'm going to sleep in my car. And it was winter, so it was very cold out. And people were like, yeah, no, you're not. People gave me pushback immediately. Like I announced that though before it was, this wasn't just a drunk decision. It was like before the partying even started, I was like, just so you know, I'm staying, but I'm going to sleep in my car. And I could tell people didn't like that already. 
And then when it came time to go to bed, you know, my friend who was the host, a very dear friend of mine was the host. And she like, she made me a bed, you know, and everybody was sleeping in the same room. There were like two adjoining rooms without a door and everybody was like crashing out in there in one of the two rooms. And and I was like, I'm not sleeping there. She made me a bed. Like she made me a nice little bed on the floor. And I was like, I'm not sleeping in that. And then she was like, well, I was like, I'm sleeping in my car. (laughs) And, uh, she was like, well, what if I move the bed over here to this other room that was like kind of set down a little bit, like you had to go down these steps. So it was kind of, it was cooler. It was a little bit cooler by my standards. And, uh, so she was trying to appease me and I was like, she, so she like made the bed again in there. And I was like, I'm not sleeping there. I'm sleeping in my car. And like, you'd think I would just take my stuff and go to my car already. So clearly like I I got sucked into this, like this discussion, this debate over where I'm going to sleep. And then, so she made the bed in this other place that was better. And I was like, I'm not going to sleep there. And so she remade the bed in the original place. And at that point, like some dude who was there, who was a little bit more sober was just like, do not make him, do not make his bed again. And so finally, like I ended up sleeping in the house, you know, cause they were trying to convince me it was too cold that it just, cause it wasn't a thing where like, cause yeah, if you're in the middle of town, you don't want somebody sleeping in their car in front of your house. Like the cop is going to drive by the neighbors are going to feel weird. If there's like some car, somebody in the driveway or parked on the street. Like, I totally get that. But this was in the middle of nowhere where there are no neighbors. It was just purely like they didn't want me to sleep in my car. And I didn't. I went to bed. I remember that night I went to bed laying on my back with sunglasses on, and I woke up with the sunglasses still on. Which reminds me of, like, another time where I was in my hometown partying with a, my, my childhood friend and as adults. And we ended up staying at his parents' house, and we had, like, the whole downstairs to ourselves. And they had a cot. Like, they had a spare room or in the basement, in the corner of the basement. They had a cot just in case somebody needs to crash. And, like, my friend showed me to the cot, and he was like, oh, yeah, you know, here, you can go to bed here. And, like, so I laid down in the cot, and I said, hey, before you go, can you lay that guitar on top of me? It was an acoustic guitar, like a black acoustic guitar. And he was kind of like, okay. And so he laid the acoustic guitar, like, string side up. You know, I'm not a freak. I'm not going to sleep with, like, strings pressing against my face. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but uh, anyway, so I had him, like, lay this guitar flat on me after I laid down. And, like, after I, I got myself tucked in. You know, I didn't ask this guy to tuck me in. I'm not a freak. Again, again, I'm not a freak. I didn't make my friend tuck me in. But after I tucked myself in, I just asked him, lay the guitar flat on me. And, you know, when I woke up the next morning, that guitar was still flat on top of me, which means I didn't thrash around. I didn't move. (laughs) I didn't move an inch in the night. There was no sound of guitars crashing and banging. I didn't move. But anyway, I just thought of that because the sunglasses, I remember I woke up with sunglasses on. Again, probably didn't move. Didn't move throughout the night. Uh, but yeah, just I remember that I remember people like pleading with me not to sleep in my car. Like you'd think something horrible was going to happen, and I think people tried to use the cold weather as an excuse. And I was like, you know what? I have a sleeping bag. I'm going to be in a completely sealed environment with a sleeping bag. If it gets really cold, I have a, like a sweatshirt and, and a coat. You know, I'm not going to die. Like it's not like we live in Antarctica. It's not like we live in Antarctica. You know, it's like I'm not going to die if I sleep in my car. You know what? If I if I find myself like freezing to death, I'm going to come inside. But people really didn't like the idea of me sleeping in my car, and and that was, you know, I, I don't think I'd completely understood what was going on yet with that because it wasn't people trying to control me. It wasn't people trying to tell me what to do. But I ran into a very similar experience again and again, where I'd be partying with different people. One time it was coworkers, and we, I was hanging out with two coworkers, and we went back to one of their apartments, and like we stayed up all night, you know, drinking, doing God knows what. And uh, I was just at one point, I was like, "Well, I'm going home," and they were like, "Wait, what? We're all going to sleep here?" And it was two women, but they weren't. It was there was nothing weird there, you know, nothing weird was going to happen, so it had nothing to do with that. I think it was just purely, it made them uncomfortable that a member, because when you drink with people, I think, I think this is a party thing too. When you party with people, you become a tribe for the night. Like I think because you do get into a more primitive mindset, like it does like take you down a few notches in terms of your critical thinking, 
You're not analyzing everything. You're just kind of operating, you know, you're just going with things. And so I think like you start thinking a little more primitively and whoever you're with that night really does become your tribe. And especially whoever you're with, like at the end of the night, like it's one thing to be out. It's one thing to be at a big party. It's one thing to be at a bar. But like when you're like having your nightcap, when you're winding down for the evening, you know, that's kind of your tribe. And uh, I think it, it weirds people out when one member of the tribe is like, I'm not sleeping here. I'm not sleeping in the cave tonight. Because it becomes your cave, you know, it's like a tribe, like sharing, a, a, it's like a clan sharing a cave or something. And one member of the clan's like, well, see you guys. And it's like, wait, you're a member of the tribe. You can't do that. And so it seems to bother people. But yeah, I remember like 5 a.m. with these coworkers even uh, just being like, oh, yeah, I'm going to walk home. It's like an hour, you know, it's like an hour walk. But, you know, I could see, you know, in that situation, I could see if I was so drunk that people were worried I was just going to end up in a ditch. But, uh, you know, it wasn't. It wasn't that. It was like people know I can get myself home and, and people know I'm not going to drive drunk or anything like that. I'll walk home. I'll walk hours. I did that once where people, exact same situation like I'm talking about. I'm not making it up that this happened over and over again where there was another situation where it was like maybe like 2 or 3 a.m. And I was like, I'm going home. People were like, no, you got to stay here. And I was like, no, I'm going home. And that one was interesting because it was about a two-hour walk. You know, it was, it was like on the complete other side of town, but you had to, you had to make all these weird, you know, you had, it was, it was weird. It was, it was a weird way to, it was a weird decision for sure. Cause it took so long. Like you had to wind through all these side streets and then I'd never done it before. And I was, I was really drunk that night. And so I am lucky I made it home, but it was about a two hour walk. And then my phone died. So, cause I was using my phone for directions like just looking at the map and then my phone died. So I had to improvise. So that was a little rough. That was the only time where it was a little bit rough. But again, it's not like I would have died. It's not like I would have ended up in a ditch. I wasn't like falling down drunk. I was just pretty drunk. Um, but, uh, you know, it's something that I ran into over and over again, where like people, they're either, they either tried to like tell me where to sleep or they tried to convince me not to go home. And it's not like anything fun's going to go on in the morning. Like if you've partied hard with people and you you wake up in the morning like you didn't get enough sleep, you're hungover. It's not fun. It's not a party. Cuz I've had that feeling before where I've like crashed at a party. You know, and it's nice that people let you stay. Like it's always nice when people let you stay. That's that's cool. It's I mean, cuz I mean the alternative sucks. Like if you really need to stay or want to stay and people are like, "Oh, see ya." That's weird. Because it's like, oh, I thought I thought I could stay here. Um, but, uh, you know, with the not wanting you to go home, it's weird just because it's like the morning sucks. I hate the morning after a party. I hate being with people. <laughs> you know, like everybody feels like shit and nobody wants to talk and it's just no good. And it's more of an ordeal even. It's, it's if Everything feels like more of an ordeal. Like at least when you're drunk and you're walking home, even if it's a long walk, you have all this momentum. You know, and it's fun because you're drunk. Whereas like walking home severely hungover, I've done that so many times, you know, and it was just so miserable. Like I will never miss that. I will never miss waking up severely hungover and having to walk like an hour and a half or two hours home. But just it goes back to what I was saying about like not being on the same page as people. And that was I I learned something with that because I was like, I'm not doing anything wrong. But I'm running into this same issue with people over and over again because there is something about, like, they all feel like they're on the same page. Like, they're all going to sleep in the same house tonight. Even you sleeping in your car is some sort of weird... Uh, you're, you're straying from the pack. And it's not about conformity. It's not about that. But it tells you something, like some sort of... And, and the fact that this happens a lot when people are drunk tells me that there's something kind of primitive that gets activated where it's like, no, you got to sleep in the cave. you got to sleep in the cave. Because you know, that uh, ends up being how it feels because you try to convince them like, oh, yeah, I'm an adult and we're all just hanging out. Like, I'm allowed to leave. I'm allowed to sleep where I want. And it did get into this like almost childlike thing. Like when I was arguing to, st to sleep in my car, it, I really it was like I was a, a child who was misbehaving. 
Like people were pleading with me like I was some like misbehaving child when it's like, I'm an adult man who wants to sleep in his car tonight. <laughs> and you know what? I, one time I did get to do that. I mean, I've done it many times, but like one time at that same house, I, I was, I, I just, I told people, I was like, I'm sleeping in my car tonight and you guys can't change my mind this time. You guys can't trick me. And then I did, and it was really uncomfortable, and it sucked. So it's like I, I got what I wanted, but it's not like it was great. But I have a problem with sleeping in the same room as people in general. I don't like to eat with people, and I don't like to sleep in the same room as anybody. And so that immediately sets me apart. Like, that immediately makes me as a human being on a different page from other people. And it's not something that I decided to do. Like, I didn't decide one day that I, I don't want to do that for some, because it's cool. I'm not trying to be cool. Like, I don't think it's cool to not eat with people. I don't think it's cool to not want to sleep in the same room as people. But as someone who, like, I went to tons of sleepovers as kids, you know, and I always hated sleeping in the same room. Like, if I'm ever at someone's house and they're like, we have a guest room you can stay in, I'm just like, awesome. That's awesome. Uh, I feel the same way about bathrooms. I mean, see, this is me. All the, all the basic, like, all these bodily things for me are solitary. Like my preference is solitary. I prefer to eat alone. I prefer to sleep alone. I prefer to go to the bathroom alone. Don't talk to me at the urinal. I don't I think urinals are inhumane as I've talked about at length. I think urinals are a cruel and inhuman way to treat men. Invest in standalone bathrooms. I'd rather wait in line for a minute than use a urinal. Or a stall. I mean, I'm fine with a stall. More stalls. Give us a few more stalls. You go into bathrooms, there's one stall. I don't like urinals. You know, to me, sleeping in the same room with other people, other human beings, is like being at a urinal next to a person and having them talk to you. And it's weird, too. It's, it's weird for, for me because I'm always the last person to fall asleep. All my life, if if I can even sleep. I mean, that's the thing about sleeping in the same room as people. I'm lucky if I can even fall asleep. Even if I do, it's not going to be good sleep, and I'm going to be the last one awake, and I'm going to hear everybody else sleeping and talking in their sleep. And that was was a sleepover thing where, like, my friends would always crash right away. And I I would hear them, like, mumbling and making weird noises, and I'm just like, you know, I don't like this. And there was a time, too, as an adult where I was with some friends, like we were on a road trip and then we all had to sleep in the same little room when we arrived at our destination. And like this friend of mine who's very stoic, very like uh, stoic guy, doesn't really uh, show his emotions or anything. Like he was making these like moans and he almost like screeched in his sleep at one point. Like he almost went like, ah, you know, it was like he let out some sort of little yell, like a weak little yell. And he's not a weak guy, you know? And I was just like, I don't need to see this side of my friend just because I'm an insomniac. Like I have insomnia when it comes to sleeping in the same room as other people. So that all that stuff, like the bathroom thing, the sleeping thing, the eating thing, like clearly I'm the person who has something wrong with him. You know, clearly that's me. So I'm not trying to say like, oh, this is the better way. It's just better to eat alone. It's just better to sleep alone. I mean, I even feel that way with girlfriends. Like, of course, like, you have to make compromises there. And it's nice. Of course, it's nice to sleep in the same bed as your girlfriend. But even then, like, uh, only sometimes. Like, I, I, you know, when I used to watch, like, I Love Lucy all the time, like, and they have separate beds, I'm like, that's nice. There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with separate beds. How about separate rooms? I remember staying at my friend's house as a, as a kid and like his dad would sleep in a different bedroom. My parents were divorced. So like my mom never had boyfriends. So I never saw like anything like that in my house. Um, but, uh, you know, my friend's dad would like sometimes sleep in the guest room and I was just like, you know what? That's while somebody else would be like, Oh, there's clearly problems there. Like, I mean, they're still married to this day. They're one of the best couples I know probably because he, when he wants to, he sleeps in the guest room. You know, uh, you know, I've all like the, the divorced, unhappy parents I've known, like they've kept it together. So I'm, I'm not talking about some bad relationship here. Like the dad just slept in the guest room and I thought that's cool. <laughs> uh, 
that's cool. But I, you know, I, I understand that. And I, I felt that way with girlfriends and stuff where I'm just like, you know, it's nice that we, it's nice to like, let's, let's have, let's share the same bed like a few nights a week. But other than that, like not only have different beds, but let's just not even sleep in the same room. Try telling that to a girl. I mean, girls try to keep you in bed all day anyway. Like if you don't have to go to work or something and you like wake up in bed with a girlfriend. And, and again, I'm not, I, I'm not even talking about sex. I'm just talking about like girls like to lounge around in bed for way too long and they feel hurt and betrayed when you leave bed. And I, I of course, don't stand for that. Like, I don't like to hang out in bed when I wake up unless I'm going to be like, unless I'm exhausted and I'm going to be going back to bed. I don't stay in bed. To me, that's just like that's it's basically willing yourself into a depression is to stay in bed and, uh, you know, I don't know. But for me, like, uh, yeah, it's like I, I've, 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 that's one way, like, you got to compromise in relationships um, as if I know anything about them. But I will not play that game where, where I stay in bed for no reason. I found out uh, a friend found out through like, through like a, a mutual friend that a friend of mine, like, his girlfriend would keep him in bed all day, all the time. And he worked from home and she would let, and it, it was like, it was uh, causing problems with his job because like she would not let him leave the bed. And you know what? Like, I'm not going to say I lost respect for him, but I did think, you know, you need to get a handle on that. I'm not even kidding. Gossip made its way to me that this guy his girlfriend wouldn't let him out of bed and he wouldn't literally put his foot down. Cause that's, that's literally putting your feet down, literally putting your foot down on the ground and getting out of bed. <laughs> uh, but anyway, like not being on the same page as people. I mean, like it's funny, like we're just like having different preferences for like sleeping and eating from people, you know, makes them really uncomfortable. And it's a primitive thing. Because there's no intellectual argument to be had. Like when I'm arguing with people, I mean, it hasn't happened in a long time because I don't party anymore. I don't, and I don't have friends anymore. But, uh, you know, it hasn't happened in a long time. But back when it did, and like I said, this was a recurring topic. Uh, what was so weird about it, though, is just that, like, you, I would get into these, like, debates with people about where I'm going to sleep or if I'm going to stay the night. And, like, there was even a situation where I was hanging out with these metal dudes. And like one of them was my friend and the other, the other ones weren't, and I didn't know them all very well. And I, I went out to hang out. They were partying and I, that was right after I quit drinking. So I was especially not going to stay. Like I was at a party with just like dudes who were going, you know, drinking tons of beer and, and, you know, I, I was just like, it came up, somebody was like, are you staying? And I was like, no. And I, I could tell like the host just sank. Like, I could tell that, like, even though I stayed until the early morning hours, I could tell that, like, his heart just sank when I said I wasn't going to stay the night. Like, he got really quiet. <laughs> and again, it's not, it's not like it was a, it's not, he, he's not a gay man. You know, he's not a gay man, like, trying, like, oh, he's not going to stay the night. Oh, that ruins my chances. No, these are just dudes, like, having a good time. But yeah, it's it's a tribal thing. It's a tribal thing where it's like, Okay, like one member of our tribe isn't committed. One member of our tribe is going to leave the cave and something might happen to him. Some, our defenses are going to be down. We need him. I don't know what it is. That's the, that's the only conclusion I've come to. But it seems to, like it's not something that people like will argue with you rationally about. They just, they think it's weird. And I recognize that I am weird, you know, and that's that means like, you have to take opportunities to be normal, I guess, because I am normal in many ways. Uh, I am normal in many ways, but you know, it's like you have to remember to be normal sometimes, <laughs> you know, because if you're not, people will get disturbed by the smallest things. It's never the big things that, that make people feel totally on a different page from you. It's always these little things that split mountains and I think about friends even because, you know, thinking about like being on the on a different page from a friend because b- simply being a friend of somebody means you're overall on the same page. 
there's some sort of harmony. There's something that like brings you together. Because for me personally, like more and more, like when I look at friendships I have, especially the sustaining friendships, I'm like, it doesn't feel like a choice. I don't feel like I chose for this to be a friendship. You know, it does feel like some, you know, matter of fate. It does feel like something just led this. It's why, like, my closest friends, it's almost impossible to figure out how we actually became friends. This is a recurring theme. Like, there are some people where, especially in adulthood, where you go, like, okay, I can remember, like, when we first spoke. But, like, with some of my childhood friends, my closest childhood friends, I cannot tell you, even if we met, like, when I was of of conscious age, like, even if I was of the age that I remember everything, I still can't really tell you what it was. And that's fascinating to me. And and the older I get, the more I'm just like, you know, this just seems like fate. And, and in that same way, it's like sometimes your friends are the people where even before you know them, you see them, and they almost seem illuminated. They almost seem like that cartoon boulder that I talk about that like my friend Miles has brought up, where it's like, you can tell what's going to fall. You can tell what the cartoon character is going to interact with in the background, because it's animated. Be- you know, it's a cell on top of the background. So like the locker door that the character is going to open is a slightly different color green and it's outlined differently because it has to open. Whereas the rest of the lockers are part of like the matte background, at least with older cartoons, and those aren't going to open. And people are the same way where people have an outline sometimes and you're like, okay, that person is going to be significant in some way. They might not end up being your friend, but they're going to be a recurring character. Like I think about with certain friends of mine, there are certain like recurring characters, people, characters, aka people, we know who aren't even friends of ours, but they come up again and again, and not even by choice. It's not like we're trying to look at what these people do or interact with these people, but these people will come up again and again. Even when we're not trying to, even when you're not thinking about them, it seems like somebody brings them up or you see them or you, if they're, if they're a creative person, something they did comes into focus. It's just, it's just a very weird thing where it seems like certain people just are outlined. It's like in an RPG or a video game where like the characters that you're going to recruit or the characters that are somehow pivotal to the story usually look different. You can tell. Like if you walk, like, like one of my favorite RPGs of all time is Sweet Coden and you can recruit 108 characters, unique characters for your army. And you know exactly who, who is who when you walk, like you walk into a village and there's all these villagers around and you see some guy standing outside of a cafe and you immediately know, oh, that's a character that I'm supposed to interact with. That's a character that I'm supposed to recruit. At the very least, that's a character that's pivotal to the story in some way. That's why they look different. And I feel like life does that to you, too. And it's, it's not that they look different. It's that they almost seem outlined or illuminated in a way that's different. And people would be like, where's the science for that? You know, and it's like, well, the science of it is just experience. It's gnosis in its own way. But yeah, with friendship, anyway, to get back to the original point is just that it's funny, like when you're to be a friend to somebody is to be on the same page of them more often than not. I think that's a pretty even though you're if you're different, even though you have different outlooks, I think being friends with somebody just by its very nature means you're more likely to be on the same page about with them about a given subject than you are not, which is why it's so funny when the smallest thing comes between you. Like, I think about friends that I share a lot of interests with, and someone will bring up, like, a band, and they'll maybe they'll share it with you. And then you hear it, and you go, ah, I'm not really into it. And they go, wait, what? And they almost try to convince you. Wait, wait, wait you're not hearing this. Cause you, because when you have so much in common with somebody, the smallest discrepancy becomes amplified. When you're on the same page as somebody more often than you are not, when you have a disagreement or you just have a different outlook on something you almost do a double take and you almost have to like try to reconcile it and be like, wait, you're not looking at it right. You're not listening to it right. And it's funny when that comes up because like I've had that with a, I think about a friend of mine where we have very similar taste and every once in a while something will come up where one of us shares something or brings something up and the other person doesn't like it or isn't, isn't interested even. 
just it doesn't really phase them one way or another. And you almost get into this argument about it where it's almost like, wait, no, no, no. You know, you know, we agree on so much. How could you possibly not see this? How could you possibly not understand this? How could you possibly not appreciate this? And so it's funny when that happens, because at some point in that, when you start kind of getting into a weird argument about something minor, especially if it's taste, at some point you almost have to step back and go, wait a second, you're not going to convince me. I'm not going to convince you. So, you know, what are we even doing? And then it becomes kind of fun. I mean, and that's what makes you distinct. Because nobody actually wants to be the mirror image of another person. Nobody wants to be a parody of somebody else. Nobody wants to be, you know, nobody's trying to mime their friends at the end of the day. Like, yeah, there's, there's posers. There's people who are trying to be cool who meet people. But if you're actually friends with somebody, you're a peer. And the last thing you want among your real peers is to be a carbon copy of them. You know, and it's not like you want to try to not be that. It's not like if, you, if you're similar, you're similar. But at the same time, it's like, oh, yeah, we don't have to actually agree about everything. And that's the greatest sign of friendship. That's the sign of a true friend is that you can accept when you don't agree about any number of things. You know, because to me, friendship is never about simply agreeing. The sign of friendship is that you can disagree, even on a fundamental level, even about serious things, and it doesn't change the nature of the friendship. That, to me, is friendship. And if it's something serious enough, if it's something that, that's potentially going to split a mountain in half, you also know not to bring it up because it's not important. You know, because I have this experience time and time again. I mean, there was a good friend of mine that we didn't talk for over two years, and there was no real, there was no event that led to that. We've been lifelong friends, and then we didn't talk for two years. And things were left on kind of a weird note, weird more than bad. But there was no event. There was no real argument. It was just kind of like there was this sudden cease in communication. And then when we resumed, it was just, it was nothing. We never had to talk about it. We never had to talk about why that happened. Let's talk about why we didn't talk for two years. There was no reason to. We just resumed. We're aware of it. We're not idiots. We know we didn't talk for two years, but we just resumed. And you know what? Like in that situation too, like there wasn't even any need for like reintroductory small talk. It wasn't like, so what are you doing for a living now? You in, do you have a girlfriend? What, what kind of, what's your housing arrangement like? You know, because very rarely, I mean, that stuff is very, uh, if you're friends with somebody, if you're close with somebody, you know, you're going to know that stuff. Like, you're going to want to know what's going on in their lives, but it's like, it's almost like you got to get it out of the way so you can get to the good stuff. And that's interesting, too, that it's like that stuff doesn't matter. I mean, I had an experience with some friends. We were at a barbecue with uh, another friend's cousin and his cousin's wife and we didn't know them like we didn't know his whole family was there and we didn't know anybody except our friend this is in california and his cousin's wife was like making small talk with us and she was very outgoing and she was asking us all these questions about ourselves and uh we i found out that one of my best friends was planning his wedding and he'd been with the same woman as long as i'd known him like he'd been with the same woman for 15 years and I knew him the entire time, and, like, I just never thought anything about it. Like, I never, I was just like, yeah, he's been with the same girlfriend for 15 years. We don't talk about it. I, I, I never sit there. Like, when he and I talk, I don't sit there and say, so when are you and, uh, and her going to get married? You know, I don't care. <laughs> Not that I don't care, but it's just like, that's just the last thing that I'm going to think about. That's small talk, pretty much, when, in the context of, like, you know, the friendship. And it was funny because, like, he said that, like, this cousin's wife was, like, interrogating us in a friendly way. And, and we were finding out things about each other we didn't even know, even though we're close friends. And she was like, you guys don't even know each other. And we're, I was like, I, I know these guys better than anybody. But yet, I, I, don't, I didn't know that my friend had gotten engaged. Like, he didn't tell us that he got engaged. Nobody there knew. Not a single one of us knew that he had gotten engaged. Not a single one of us knew that he was planning his wedding. I went to the wedding. I was invited. It's not like I wasn't invited. 
But it was just so funny because like she was like, because this random woman at a barbecue was interrogating us, we found out that our good friend is getting married. But that's just, that's, that's, in, that's it in a nutshell. That's exactly what I'm talking about in a nutshell, where it's like, we have all these other things to talk about. And it's like, yeah, if things went horrible, like, like if somebody like got divorced or like broke up with their longtime girlfriend, we're going to know, you know, you're going to know stuff like that. You're going to know about serious life changes. But the idea of like having this like life update just really isn't a big component. And like I said, you just kind of have to get past that. And uh, even if you don't talk to a friend for years, if they're a truly good friend, you're going to be back on the same page and you don't really need to do anything. You just start talking and, and that's where chemistry, that's where the magic of certain people, that's where the fate that I talk about comes in, where it's like, I don't feel like most of my truly good friends, truly good friends... Are, are people I chose like they say that like oh you know you can't choose your family but you can choose your family of friends and I don't feel that way I feel like I've had <clears throat> just as little or as much choice in choosing the people that I deeply get along with and you don't always get along with them but you know and the people that I consider my true friends like I feel like I've had as little choice in that matter as I have had with my family I just, it's like, I feel like something lined up that allowed me to know a certain person, the opportunity presented itself and it didn't seem like there was really any other option. And yet I don't even remember it. In many cases, I don't even remember what it was that led to us even becoming friends. Cause that's a strange thing is like the decision to become friends. I mean, it's even stranger than like, uh, asking someone to be your girlfriend, which is strange enough. Like, I was seeing this girl for months, monogamously. I, I only believe in monogamy. Um, other people can do what they want. As far as I go, I only believe in monogamy. And uh, I believe in separate beds, separate rooms, but monogamy. And uh, we'd been seeing each other just, you know, we were boyfriend and girlfriend already. You know, we were already boyfriend and girlfriend. And, but I think it was causing problems that nobody was bringing it up. Like, neither one of us would bring it up, yet we were, like, totally committed to each other. And then, like, months into this thing, you know, like, we, we went out to a bar and got a drink, and I was just like, will you be my girlfriend? <laughs> and she was like, yes. You know, but it, it, we just had to get it over with. You know, we just had to get it over with where it was just like, yeah. You know, and that was it. And then we felt like a certain relief, you know, and... uh but it was it was very awkward. It was very strange. Because normally, like in my experience, and I, you know, I talk a lot about relationships, even though it's like I'm not a, a relationship guy. But it's it's interesting to me. It's interesting to me that you choose. Again, it's a matter of choice. It's a matter of fate. Whatever it is, but it's like the fact that you have like this person that you found and you spend time with them is fascinating to me. Which is why I like to talk about it on here. This is this isn't a relationship show, but it's fascinating. Uh, and. Uh, you know, but what's even more fascinating than that is like how you choose friends or how you decide to be friends. And again, like I lean away from the idea that it's like a choice because it does seem to be like fate puts you with certain people because I just can't even believe the people I know. I can't even believe it. Um, you know, but with that, with that idea, though, it's like. I don't really know, like, like, you don't like it's not like the same as being like, will you be my girlfriend? You know, it's not the same as that. Because you don't go, will you be my friend? And I, I've had people say shit like that, and it's weird. Not, I'm not the most popular person in the world at all, but, like, I've actually had people say things, not that, but, like, they've kind of said things like that. Like, there was a dude that I was hanging out with a lot who, uh, this is awful. This is awful. And, uh, like, we were hanging out and drinking a lot, and like we we become drinking buddies, and this guy he's a great guy. Like I'm not trying to talk shit on him at all. I'm really not. But I, he was probably just drunk. And again, he's not a gayman. You know, he's not a gayman, so it's like there's no weird angle to it. But he he was just like, oh, this is kind of a bromance. And I was just like, don't ever say that. I don't think I said anything. I didn't. You know, I'm not a jerk. I didn't say anything in response. But it's just like, why would you say that? 
Like what that reminds me of is like I had this friend growing up, a good friend of mine, like we we were good friends and we went on some kind of trip together to another, uh, like we were staying in a, uh, we're staying in his family's like mobile, what do you, whatever you call it, like a motor home, whatever you call it, like a motor home. And, uh, we were staying in their motor home and then we were like staying at a campground and these local kids would use the campground's pool. And it was just us. It was me and my friend and these two local kids. And you know, you know what happens? It's tribal again. It goes back to the tribal thing where you end up like splashing water at each other. And next thing you know, you hate each other. Like it starts out where like, you know, you and your friend are in the pool with these two locals. We're outsiders. They use this pool all the time. And sure enough, like somebody kind of like does like a half friendly, half you know, they declare war and, and they splash water at you or you splash water at them. And next thing you know, you hate each other. It didn't get horrible or anything, but we started kind of like splashing water and throwing things. And, uh, the kids were like, they were making fun of us and we were making fun of them. And then out of nowhere, my friend who was like, he was an only child and he was a good guy and everything. But like some of his points of reference weren't great. Like he learned all of his, he learned like everything dirty, everything cool. He learned from other people. And so when he had to do it, when he had to improvise, it was, you know, it was definitely a learning curve. And he, he looked at them and he goes, he like, he like threw something, like he threw like a pool toy at them. And he goes, take that, you, you piece of cheese. And I was just like, my heart just sank. My heart just sank because that's I mean, it goes back to being on the same page as somebody like up until that moment, he and I were on the same page. We're from a different town. We're on a road trip. We're at this campground. These local kids from this small town came. And then, of course, we ended up in conflict because that's what men do. (laughs) And, uh, you know, we were fighting in the pool, basically. And up until that moment, like I was ready to die for him. (laughs) I I was ready to die in that pool for my friend. And just the fact that like, he, he said that because I mean, by that time, I don't know how old we were like fourth grade, maybe by that time, like my friends and I, like we had the dirtiest mouths in the world. Like there was nothing we didn't know. Like we didn't know what a vagina looked like, but it's like, we didn't in terms of like insults and crass remarks and like brutal things to say to another human being. Like we knew it all. And he just, he, he, he stammered just like I'm doing right now. But he was like, take that, you, you piece of cheese. And I'm even embarrassed, even just saying that out loud right now makes me cringe. And I, I try not to cringe about anything, you know, especially things from 28 years ago. But uh, I was just like, oh, no. I would have sacrificed him in that moment. And you know, it's funny too. The two kids we were fighting with, they just stopped. Like that actually, what he said actually stopped our little war, our little pool war. Because those kids just stopped and they looked at each other and they said, piece of cheese. And they just started laughing and like utter mockery. And you know what? I was with them in that moment. Like you, you hear about alliances breaking apart. You hear about like in war, like... You know, oh, this guy was was on this guy's side, and or these guys were on this guy's side, and then they broke off and joined the enemy. Like that's how it happens. It's because somebody says something that's stupid. You're you're a man. You're like little men fighting a war in the pool, and your friend thinks that it's funny or or like a good insult to call them a piece of cheese. You know, it's like in that moment, like when they were mocking him, I I wanted them to know, like, hey, I'm on your side now. I'm not, I don't condone this. I, you know, I don't, so, so it was funny though, just cause it was like, uh, oh man. And I had another experience with that kid while I'm just going off about it where like my mom and sister took he and I, uh, him and me, however you say that to some sort of event. And we were on our way back and we were in the car. It was a long car ride. And he and I were like fighting like, like in a fun way. Like we weren't mad at each other. We were just kind of like hitting each other. <laughs> we weren't mad. We were just hitting each other. No, we were just, we were just kind of like play boxing or something in the back seat. We were bored, and I remember I kind of hit him a little too hard on the arm, and he goes, "Ow, you, you raped me," and he said that out loud with my mom and sister in the front. And like, so this kid goes from calling people a piece of cheese as an insult 
embarrassing me as his friend to like throwing rape out there like it's nothing. And I don't I really don't even think he knew what it was. Like as a kid, like, yeah, you, you know what rape is, but it's like you don't really know what rape is. <laughs> you don't really know what it is. And just that, like my mom and sister looked at each other and just busted out laughing. Like they didn't even try to intervene. And I was so embarrassed again. Like so it shows you that certain kids will embarrass you. I said embarrassing things. I'm not above this kid. I like this kid. He was my friend. But just that like, ow, you raped me. And I'm just like, Jesus, why do you say things like that? Like, like you got to figure it out, man. You got to figure out the right thing. You got to figure out better things to say. Again, though, it was like, we're not on the same page. We are not on the same page anymore. I haven't talked to this guy in many years, so I don't know, you know, uh, I don't know what to say about, about him. But uh, I just couldn't believe that he said that in front of my mom and sister at all. Like, don't, don't say I raped you about anything. Even if it was just him and I, like, play fighting in the yard by ourselves, don't respond and say, I raped you. Especially don't do it in a a car at night with my mom and sister in the car. Like, it's just horribly embarrassing. Not on the same page with that in that moment. Maybe that's how, like, maybe, like, that's how my friends felt when I was like, I'm going to sleep in my car. I'm going to walk home. I'm not staying at the party. I'm going to walk home. And they were like, no. Maybe that's how they felt. They felt the same way I did as a kid when my friend was calling people pieces of cheese, pieces of cheese, and uh, like throwing out like saying I raped him. Like, Jesus, man, don't do that. You know, I wouldn't want to be in a, you know, I wouldn't want to go to war with you because I'd end up killing you. But it's just that funny thing, like, there's, it's so often, too, I mean, I could go on forever about this subject of, like, the same page. Because it's also like, you know, talking to your friends about stuff, and it's like, you're not going to have all the same interests, and you got to kind of read the room. Even if the room is one person, it's just a, it's a recurring thing where it's like, you can tell if your friends are interested in what you have to say. And it's okay, to, I mean, I have a friend now who, like, he'll send me videos of him snowboarding, and I always watch them. He's an old friend of mine. I love him. He's an old, and, and it's like, I think it's amazing what he does. Like, I think it's genuinely amazing that he's, you know, in his mid thirties and he's still cutting it up with his snowboard. I've never snowboarded. I've never been interested in snowboarding. I'm not going to let that like make me an asshole about it. Like, I'm not going to turn around and go, don't send me your videos. He's proud of his snowboarding and he's good. And so I'm going to always watch those. And fortunately, like, if, but if he started sending them to me, like, every week, I'd, I'd probably eventually have to be like, man, like, save it, like, once a month, you know? And Ben, if you listen to this, I'm not, I'm not talking shit. I'm just saying, like, there are certain things your friends do that you don't necessarily have a personal interest in. But because you like your friend and you're impressed with what your friend does, you not even humor them. You just, like, pay attention. It's called supporting your friend, you know, and that's a thing you do with your family. It's a thing you do with anybody you care about, your significant other. Uh, I'm just using that as one example because, like, I couldn't be further from, I'm the furthest thing from, like, a skiing person or a snowboarding person. And, uh, I mean, it goes for your friend's creativity, too. Like, if your friend is a creative person and they want you to come to their concert, their concerto, I don't know, I, I do draw a line with that shit. I don't go to concerts. I don't go to people's concerts. Maybe every once in a while. <laughs> but uh, I, I hold musicians in such contempt that unless I actually like what they're doing, I, I barely play that game. Or unless they're like desperate for like acknowledgement, I don't really play around with that game. Uh, <laughs> uh, the three things to... The, the three ways that I'll turn my back on you are like if you call someone a piece of cheese, if when I punch you in the arm, you like scream rape, <laughs> and uh, if you're a musician, which I, you know, I could be called one, but uh, I hold myself in contempt in that regard too. Because I'm just a piece of cheese too. <laughs> I'm just another piece of cheese. <laughs> You got to own it. You got to take it on. 
you gotta you gotta claim ownership of being if you're a piece of cheese you gotta claim it you gotta represent it which is funny because my dad you know his career was he ran a cheese company so i really am just a piece of cheese my dad was the cheese man and i'm i'm a piece of cheese myself (laughs) i bet that kid never imagined in a million years his little mistake he made this little verbal mistake in a, in like a stupid fight with these kids at a pool. And uh, I don't think he ever imagined in a million years that his friend was going to remember it forever and hold it against him. And that's how I know that I am an asshole. That's how I know that like, uh, you know, I, I can never claim like, oh, everybody I know is an asshole. Because I know I'm an asshole. Like, I know that. I, and I have to I have to deliberately try not to be one. Otherwise, I will have, I will be the person who's like, everybody's an asshole, and I don't know why. Because I will be the asshole. The asshole. The hassle? The asshole. Yes, asshole. Asshole. You know, I, I know that I will be that. Because the reason why I'm the asshole is the same reason I'm a piece of cheese. more on all this later this land is mine God gave this land to me This brave, this golden land to me And when the morning sun Reveals her hills and plains I see a land where children